Welcome back to Challenging Trades. Today's date is 12-18-21, currently 11.55 a.m. Eastern Time. 8.55 West Coast Time. Uh, Drew and Chris coming at you again with today's information on what's going on in the market, understanding what's happening out there as best we can, uh, and seeing where we go from here. So just a disclaimer before we begin, this is for purely for conversational purposes, informational purposes. This is not financial advice. We are not financial advisors. Do your due diligence before you invest your own money and make sure you're making the right moves. On today's show, we are going to be talking about what happened this week, talking about a few investments that we like, potentially a few investments that we don't like. Uh, we'll be covering black swan events, what to do Ooh. in those scenarios, obviously, uh, how you want to pivot and do you stick to your guns? We'll talk, we'll talk about YouTube TV's market conundrum that they seem to be getting them into time, getting themselves into time and time again. And we'll talk about the week upcoming as we get really close to the holiday break. What can we look for and what are we looking at for the year ahead? All so, right. Well, how do you want to start it? We got the week in review here, which I was, want you to start it, Drew. I want you to whew, tell me how whew. your week went. And Which I want you to tell me the pain that, or the happiness. Oh, the that. pain or the happiness. Oh, wow. Well, I wish we could replay back. Maybe we will have that technology one day. But what we what we predicted for the week, and I believe, I believe that Chris had said that he thought it would be a positive week, uh, as usual. And I was wrong. <laughs> and I think I said it was going to be a neutral week with maybe the NASDAQ going down 1%. I think I was wrong too, although I do want to. I do want to quickly do a five day on the Nasdaq here. It did go down. It did. Uh, we had a drop this week for sure. Was it five percent though? Uh, I don't believe it was that far, but it, it wasn't great. Yeah, I'll I'll have to I'll have to do the. The calculation here, but it fell from about 1560, 600 to 15100. So 400 point drop. That's significant. Um, that, that's, and it was a whipsaw week, which I think both of us said it wasn't going to be a whipsaw week. We should have known. I mean, we had a couple huge things happen this past week, including the Fed, uh, Jerome Powell's uh, uh, minutes there and his. Uh, he is basically confirming that we're going to speed up uh, bond tapering, but leave maybe two to three interest rate hikes next year. So that was a big thing. We had the continuing um, uh, jobless claims. We had building permits. We had housing starts. Those numbers uh, came in, I think, fairly, fairly good, uh, especially on the on the housing start side. Absolutely. Um, we got some great so, news on the job part, uh, on the job the, claims the and the building rates. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, last week, was there a bit of pain? Yes. As we just went through for my portfolio, for many people that were investing in, uh, in, in growth stocks, even in bigger stocks, blue chips, it was just a rough ride. So I think the biggest areas that suffered were, um, I would, you know, look, looking at the, the first half of the week, crypto got hit a little bit. Chris is going to talk about that. Uh, we had, uh, biotech, we had, uh, e- even some of the growth stocks. I noticed, uh, a big hit midweek. And then yesterday we actually pulled up a lot. Uh, and, and we could talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, Chris, any thoughts on your, your, your portfolio last week? Looking, looking a week behind. 
one? Yeah, I got hit pretty good. So, um, you know, I'm heavily invested in cryptocurrency and in tech stocks, so high growth stocks. And both of those seem to take a really big hit this week. Um, looking at my winners and losers of the week, um, a few of them held the line, a few <laughs> of them dropped again shortly after. Uh, though some of the winners, you know, do have a little bit of retail and some tech to them. On Monday, we saw a great move from Chewy. On Tuesday, Ooh. with Elon Musk's, um, you know, announcement on Dogecoin again and his his continuous um, preaching of Dogecoin's transactional ability, we saw a pop of twenty percent. Wow, so that was a really great growth there. And then Wednesday, um, we we saw that's when we really saw the late afternoon uptick uh, after the announcement from the Fed. Um, but you know, much to what I expected to happen, um, based on the conversation last week with the EV stocks, Rivian took a dip last, uh, yesterday of about 10%. So, you know, I don't expect that trend to stop anytime soon. I think, you know, EV stocks are very hyped up at the moment and they're going to be brutalized in the market very shortly. Um, because again, not all of them are going to perform like Tesla, Biotech, biotech had a little bit of a move, and I know this is a world that you kind of dabble in um, on Wednesday, but tumbled again on Thursday, kind of negating its gains. <laughs> yeah, so it, it took it took a pop up on Wednesday. Uh, one specific that I'm holding is Unity Biotech, so UBX. Um, on Wednesday, it showed a pop of 12 percent, but negated those gains, losing 10 percent the next day. So we're still seeing a lot of volatility in biotech. Um, we have a lot of work to do in regards to getting back on track with our, our biotechnological movement in, in this country, as well as other emerging markets. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's going to be a big play as it pertains to 2022. I think 2022 is going to see the revival of biotech as long as we can get these vaccines kind of under control. And we'll talk about those black. We will talk events. about our vaccination status. We will get into <laughs> that. We will. <laughs> It'll be, it'll be great to just argue about that for the next, you know, 45 minutes and just to give everyone a uh, preview of what's going to happen during Christmas and the holiday season, all these gatherings, it'll be, there'll be a lot of fights about it and we'll, we'll keep you informed. You know, another, another one though, I wanted to bring up before we move on is there was a lot, I'm whole, I'm a holder of uh, iron, Iris energy limited. So energy stocks seem to be doing a small climb right now. And that's something I want to keep my eyyes on moving forward. And, we'll, and I'm going to talk about that in one second as well. When we talk about investments that we like, but I think energy stocks are going I agree. to be a great play short term and long term moving forward. I agree. Absolutely. So I wanted to get into uh, what and what investments right now do you like? Uh, what do you what are you looking at? Much like I mentioned with the energy stocks or what you don't like, like I mentioned with the EV stocks, like what are you feeling mm-hmm. positively or negatively about short term with a, either a poor or a great outlook? Right. I'm going to. I'm going to be a little controversial now and I'll say I, I don't think well, that's not new, by the way. <laughs> I don't think stocks should be the focus right now. Fascinating. Uh, Why? It's it. There's just too many conflicting signals. I, I in that market, you know, in, in the equities market, and e- even with bonds right now, I'm a little. I, I've just seen a, a roller coaster here, and I'm not convinced that next year or that any kind of holding period is something that I'm willing to. 
Honestly, I'm gambling enough here. I I just think that just you got for reference, some, Drew at some lost point, like twenty percent of his investment, his equity this week alone. So he's coming from a place of negativity it, it, and sadness. It, uh, it did actually pop up about ten percent yesterday. I, I, late in the day, I, I, I withheld that happiness from everyone until now. You're hearing it now first. Okay, so. fair enough. I'm getting a little bit of the optimism, but there's not much to give, folks. So just for reference, Drew on Thursday. May may have been it was the, worst the worst day in my life of I've ever heard <laughs> out of him. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, he's not one to be a positive poly, even when things are great. So, you know, I'm, take all of this with a grain of salt. Yeah. If you ever heard uh, per, the term perma bear before, um, it's like someone who just constantly thinks that socks and like other other instrument uh, investment instruments are overvalued, whatever. I'm a perma drew which is like a perma bear except for with one or two times that they're they're actually feeling good about life so this is one of the with that being said you know you're saying (laughs) stocks aren't what you want to look at right now what do you what do you want to look at right now what are you looking at right now yeah absolutely i'm gonna i'm gonna say too too much too much of the futures clouded for equities with interest rate hikes going on. But then there's now there's Omicron. But then we have really good jobs. But then, you know, but then we have inflation. Everything's too expensive. So like what like there's just you don't you don't know you can't predict that. So I think and 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 this isn't just me by the way. Investors pulled uh, out about seventeen percent more cash in November and December. I think that is going to continue. I think smart money is pulling out right now just to wait and see. And they are, and, and actually those folks that pulled out into cash in November and December are being heavily rewarded right now because the last couple of months have been, you know, pretty unfortunate for us, especially in the high growth tech space and crypto space. I mean, a lot of these areas have gone down 30% since the beginning of November. So I, I think that's a good idea. Pull out in cash. I'm not saying put it in CDs or anything, lock that money up. But I think short term, you, you could benefit from a little more liquidity. Question for you. So on that same front, pulling your money out of you know your, your investment plays, what do you know off the top of your head what the S&P 500 has done over the last month? Not off the top of my head. I, I would say it's probably down a little bit. But I might be wrong there. It might be up a little bit. I think it, I think it is actually. Uh, so the S&P 500 has only lost 1.8% over the last month compared to my portfolio, um, which has lost 16% over the last month. <laughs> so you're not wrong. Um, and, and I think that that's something to, to keep in mind, right? We those investors that did have the foresight and the wherewithal to, to, to pull money out in cash, to, to move that money to slightly more stable investments to something like the S&P or even the NASDAQ, were rewarded for doing so. So what, what happens, like, what do you think is going to be the move as we continue through this volatile period of time right now, which I, I think it's going to remain volatile for a little while. Yeah. Uh, where, does the, where do you put your money now? I only have I have like forty five seconds to give you a quick answer here, but three things. You you got more time. Drew, I, I encroached on yours. Drew Drew's rapid fire. Three things. Um, one, pull out, uh, pull out a, a out of high beta. Your pullout high, game is strong. High high volatility, and then put that into cash. Number two, 
start automatic investment or increase your automatic investments in the S&P index fund and other index funds. And go back to our well, last episode for some yep, of that. Go back to the last episode for that, some of that, but increase those, those uh, automatic withdrawals. And then three, I would also look at uh, an options uh, selling calls out of the money on blue chips. Cause you're, cause you know, you're, I think that's a good way to have some continuous income while things are volatile because you get higher premiums. So those are Drew's fast three. And he um, nailed it, by the way. He he did that in 45 seconds. Nailed it. Nailed it. That's I'm good. I'm good at the nailing things in 45 seconds. It's usually a lot less from what I've heard. Anyway, moving forward. So what do I like? What do I not like? Let's talk about that. Uh, let's see. What? Wait, wait, let me let me ask you. What, what do you like? What do you not like? Oh, man, <laughs> that's a question I wasn't ready for. <laughs> What do I like right now? So going back to my previous conversation a minute ago, I like EV stocks. Uh, no, sorry. Let me, <laughs> I hate EV stocks. <laughs> what am I talking about? Um, no, because I've gotten the two mixed up. I got my wires crossed. Okay. I, like energy, I love EV. I like energy I haven't, stocks. I haven't heard about that. I question. like energy I say stocks. I EV stocks. Never EV stocks. No, no. I hate EV <laughs> stocks. Sell, sell, sell. Sell, sell, sell. Jim Cramer, big red button. <laughs> Get late. rid of all your money from it. If you've made money in the Rivian and Lucid pumps, good for you. Take that money. Get the fuck out of there. Part Whoa. of my language. We'll have to add a, We'll make Put some a little spring, spring noise on that. Get Ooga. out of there. We'll have to do a bleep on that. Anyway, moving on. I really, really, really like energy stocks. As we progress into 2022, energy is becoming a big focus. China's under an energy crisis. The U.S. is under an energy crisis. And selfishly, it's, I'm probably part of the problem because Bitcoin mining, Ethereum mining has sapped a ton of energy and resources from our grid. It is putting a serious dent on our ability to manage our energy. Given that information, I think two things will happen here. One, we're going to get that energy dialed down a bit when, as it comes to cryptocurrency because we're moving away from proof of work and moving to proof of stake for Ethereum in the mid part of next year. That's going to be one. That's going to take a huge amount of pressure off of our grid. Number two, energy becoming the focus. Although we are going to be decreasing the energy on the crypto end of things, that's not going to take away the focus of managing our energy supply and creating better, more efficient green energy supplies within each, each sector and in each country. So that's going to continue to become a big focus as we move forward in the next year because we never take one piece away for example, like let's say we decrease the energy in crypto, that's not going to take away the focus from energy immediately. So we're going to keep moving our efforts in that direction so we make sure we don't have the same pitfall. Um, I think cryptocurrency, because of the decrease in energy, that environmental impact that it's going to have uh, as it moves forward, as we move closer to proof of stake and away from proof of work, is going to see an uptick. It's going to take away one of those. Why, why is that, though? Can you explain? Because it's one of the biggest public draws from crypto, right? People talking about its environmental impact. People talking about the energy consumption aspect of it. Draws, you mean people drawing away from it? Pulling away from it. Pulling away. That's one of the the detractors, if it's probably the better way to put that. Uh, Once Mm. we can, the the fewer cons you have on the table, it it just illuminates the pros that much more. Um, And as an inflation hedge, Bitcoin is phenomenal. 
Um, as a as we continue to move into Web 3.0, as Facebook uh, and other large companies invest in both cryptocurrency and in, in the new idea of the metaverse, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right, which Facebook is obviously putting a lot of its uh, money into there. Um, that's that's Web 3.0 and cryptocurrency is going to become a big part of it. Do you think that's something that's going to happen though, like in 2022, or do you think that later part of 2022, I I think I sent you, I think I sent you something. I want to go back to my chat with you that I had earlier with you this week. I sent you a Facebook call that I I really liked. And again, we're not investment advice. So take this call if you like, do whatever you want with it, but make sure you're doing it on your own. Um, What was the call that I sent you? Do you have that at the top of your head? Oh, call, call, call. I said it to you late in the day. I think it was either Tuesday or Wednesday. I, I get I get texts from this guy all, all night long. Literally all night. Um, it was, I think it was a Facebook March 2023, $320 call. And that's that's an indicator on how I feel about the move to the metaverse. When And here's why. Initially, when the metaverse kind of came up as a conversation, I dismissed it. I think a lot of people dismissed it. But what I'm starting to see, which is changing my perspective on it, is a lot of companies starting to fall in line with it, starting to figure out how to use it uh, and put more effort into understanding it. Uh, And as that becomes a bigger part of the digital world that we live in, I see Facebook being the front runner here because of the time and money that they're investing in it as of today. So that's something that I like. So um, I'm liking a, a long-term Facebook call for options. I'm liking energy as we move forward. And I'm liking cryptocurrency. Those love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you for that. Uh, can you also give me the power of screen sharing? We need a I, chance. I absolutely can. Should be good to go now. So right now, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into a conversation that I think has plagued a lot of investors over the last 24 months. Black Swan events. Because we saw a big one. We saw a once in a generation uh, pandemic come and it hasn't gone yet. In fact, it's only rearing its ugly head even worse at the, as we speak today, uh, with Omicron being one of the most contagious variants out in the world at the moment, moving faster than Delta even did. So let's talk about that. Love it. Love it. What's a black swan event? Why do I care about black swan events? What does that mean for me as an investor? And what do I do about it? So let's start at the beginning. What's a black swan event? Can, what are the black swan events that you can name from the last 24 months? We obviously have coronavirus, what, what COVID. What do you think is the biggest black swan event in the last, in your lifetime? It's been, I think it's been COVID. I mean, that's one of the biggest that has come and gone. Obviously the dot-com boom uh, and, and the bubble bursting there with everything falling the, in value. The, finan- the financial crisis. The housing crisis in 2009. That was a big mm-hmm. one. Was it, a, was it a predictable though? In some ways, if you had the right information. Not in the moment though, right? At the, at, as, a, as a retail investor, our information is only limited to what we receive from media, from uh, annual reports, from earnings and, and other summaries that were provided publicly. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, in my opinion, that we're not privy to. For example, with Omicron, right? When that kind of news broke, uh, it was late on a, was it, it was late on a Friday, I believe. Black Friday. Yeah, it was, it was very late on a Friday. And I remember watching the market tank. And the first thing I thought to myself was, they know something that we don't. 
It was the worst Black. It was the worst Black Friday I think in like five or seven years. I, I and the reason I thought that to myself is because if these all of the investments are tanking like this, they haven't even at that point they hadn't even told us that it was a variant of concern. So obviously, some people had information on that that we weren't told at the moment, and they were moving their money around accordingly. So, mm-hmm. are they predictable? Somewhat. Looking back on it, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I don't know if they're predictable to the tune that I want to move my money around yet. Um, by the time, yeah, you know, before hedge funds have, have done that because they know more than I do. I like to think that black swan events are predictable. Actually, <clears throat> this is something that what we makes can them kinda... predictable? How how do you, how could you have predicted? Well, c- clearly, black swan events are individually not predictable as they at least by the majority of folks as they are termed black swan events yeah, exactly right? they kind of applied with the name right it comes out of nowhere however i think it is predictable that there will be a black swan event and i think you should prepare yourself accordingly so the, so the existence of them is predictable the individual events and their timing is really unpredictable i disagree fact, with you that's a, that's a big disagreement on my end. You're, so you're, okay. you're always predicting that there's going to be a catastrophe? I, I said I'm always, I'm always managing risk accordingly. Yeah. I wouldn't, manage, I wouldn't manage risk if I didn't think that there was a Black Swan event, which, which going into this last one, and I think the, the, the major last Black Swan event was March of 2020. Yeah, um, of course. I mean, that's, that's probably the, I mean, the one that you can point to recently and go, that was absolutely unanimously. We would all agree that was a black swan event. Well, I think it was, it was a black, I think the pandemic. Yes. I think that's very predictable that we had pandemics happen in 2014, you know, 2015, like Ebola. But not to this magnitude. Like, well, I, I think the reaction to it was because of the government and not because of the actual virus. I think the government did more damage than the actual virus did. Yeah, we, we we hurt ourselves absolutely. We the the failure to move and failure that was to classify the, and, this and to as, me, as that a problem. was the black swan though. That's what I'm saying. So you're saying that the I, reaction the, the reaction was the black swan was the I black think, swan event. I think so. Yeah, because we didn't we didn't react like that for this the same way we did for all the other pandemics, and we I think a lot of the problems today in 2021 are due to the policies of 2020. And it's gotten a lot worse, in my opinion, from the beginning of 2021, when everyone was apparently dying, and then t- the end of 2021, where, where we're still dying. Now we have, we're not only are we still dying, but because of those policies, our ability to to remedy any other economic consequences, direct economic consequences, are now limited and diminished because now. We have all these problems with inflation. We have problems with our supply chain. That I will agree with you. That is a black swan event that was was our generation, our, our creation, right? We created we a created black swan it. event by we created by fear. black swan event in inflation in the way that we handled the pandemic. It was terrible. It was so it was oh, that is why we are currently seeing a, a 40 year high in inflation on across the board. We're seeing supply chain issues. We're seeing um, inflation issues. Essentially, we're having to pivot in ways that we've never seen before because of what we've done to handle this pandemic and to make sure the economy doesn't fully shut down like it had in prior pandemics. But we may have done too much to hurt ourselves in the long run. We, we, we got a short-term gain, 
but we mortgaged our future. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, very unique, very unique. But is that a black swan event? Is, is inflation a black swan event? Um, is this I, level I, I of inflation know. a black I swan know. event? I, I would say no, it's not. I would argue it is. I okay. would argue that this level of inflation is. Inflation in general is not. But this level of inflation, where we're seeing year over year inflation rate growth of 6 to 7%, that's a black swan event in my mind. That is who could have seen that coming? I saw it coming. Absolutely. To this magnitude? Yeah, I threw in a year ago when I saw us printing all that money, but it was both Trump and Biden printing a bunch of money, uh, giving it to folks that probably should not have had that money. Yeah, uh, we're seeing now that they didn't deserve it. A lot of folks, both businesses. I'm, I'm and looking at you, airlines. <laughs> yeah, who, who won't eat? I probably lost about $300 in expiring credits, even though these guys got my money through my taxes, too. Uh, they're currently under scrutiny now because of the way that they're handling the money that they were given. Uh, the, obviously, if you're if, this is a this is an aside and I'm going to take it anyway. And I, <laughs> I know that I'm veering off track here on a slight tangent, but I do want to mention the folks that are charging you increased amount of money, decreasing your leg room and charging you for your bags on a plane. Those folks shouldn't have been given money in the first place. They were price gouging before this happened. They're going to continue to price gouge if you keep them propped up. We need them, yes, but they also need to be held accountable. And they're not being held accountable. And I'm hoping that we hold their feet to the fire at some point. Tangent over, moving on. What do we do now that we're in a Black Swan event? Do we try to follow the herd, the big money? and move with them because they're obviously rolling out their own set of rules and playbooks on how they want to handle this. Uh, And uh, do we as retail investors follow them or do we look for something else or do we stick to our guns? I think that if you think inflation is going to be, I think that's by far right. By by the way, that's the biggest worry right now for people. It's not, not uh, Omicron. Actually, inflation has replaced Omicron in the last, or even coronavirus in general. If you're, it depends on who you're talking to. Obviously, those that have their I money think, in the market, I mean, obviously, are, are very concerned. Yeah, so those those who have their money in the market are very concerned about inflation, as well as as well as lower class Americans, because it affects lower class Americans the most. It does. Those people that need that investment money and then and rely on their 401ks if they ever want to hope to retire. No, they don't don't have 401ks. Oh, well, okay, fair enough. You're talking lower than I went. Okay, fair enough. I'm saying most people actually in America, I'd love to do the stat right now, actually. What percentage of Americans actually have 401ks? I'd love to find that out as well. And we could talk about 401ks versus traditional investing. We did a little bit of that last week. We can go deeper on 401ks if you guys want to hear something like that, but we'll, we'll, we'll cover that as we go. Okay. 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 Chris, I, I, I pulled this up. Just the first thing I, I saw on Google. So I'm hoping it's, it's accurate, but out of, out of all Americans, all Americans that are able to be, found here uh that we can get information on yep what percentage what percentage of them of all americans have a 401k do you think 14 percent. oh no actually it's higher than that oh i went on the low end because you sounded 32 percent. that's higher than i expected i'll be honest 32 percent. i thought it'd be 20 percent or less 59 percent of people that are employed that have access 59 percent of so the the group 32 out of 59 so yeah probably that's actually not that bad if you really look at it more than half okay that's 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 a a very fair um that's that's actually pretty good 
Yeah, it's not too bad. That's not too so, bad. So, th- but those people do need to be fearful of what's happening right now because they're they're literally watching their investment money dwindle away and they feel powerless as to you know what they can do about it. So let's give them a little bit of power today and let them know what we think might be the right move to make um, in a Black Swan event because we've we've been going through it. We've been going through it for nearly two years. You always um, want to have what? And it's been one after the other, too, by the way. It hasn't been one Black Swan event. It's, it's been a Black Swan event that's created a Black Swan event that's created a Black Swan right, event. Right, 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 right. It's, it's just panicking. It's, co- it's compounding. It's just, <laughs> it, we're literally seeing the snowball effect right now of, of coronavirus. A black uh, snowball. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, so, um, so, what do you, so what do you do? What will well, you do? What have you done? So, so before before coronavirus, I think that that served me well. Is you always keep um, a, a big percentage of your savings as cash. Yep. Two months, three months. You hear about? It. I think losing a job is a black swan event. So, like, and that's that, happened to me a couple of times. I know yeah, the feeling. It, it can come out of nowhere. It can come out and just kind of hit you off your feet. That's your so, own personal black swan event. It blindsides you, and you've got to be ready. Exactly. And that's why you need cash. Cash really saved my portfolio in March of 2020. It's like I, I had a, I had a two things. I had gold and I had cash and I, I reduced those holdings after the market dropped like 20% in like a week mm-hmm. Threw it all in there. Into the, into the market or into those assets, right? Cash through it all. Through it all. No, I had all that already. Going so, you, so you had liquidity available prior to the love, pandemic. Yeah. Pandemic yep. hits, and you've reduced your liquid, your liquid, your liquidity, and your assets in gold, and you've moved those into the market now. I put my balance sheet and my working capital towards the risk on assets in March okay. and April, and I got reward for it in May. So I think we all got rewarded in, in, in May. We all got rewarded all the way up through early this year. There was a great reward for anybody that had the gusto. Anyone could throw in anything in the market and say that they could beat Warren Buffett. And yeah, because it was that they were happy. We were creating that market. Yeah. Now we're now inflation's taking over and our worries are becoming reality. Um, And that reality is this market was, was based on inflationary spending, inflationary printing of money, stimulus checks, lots of things that we created out of thin air to keep it, keep our economy propped up because we needed to, but now it's time to pay for it. And and we're seeing that. And, and, and the folks that need the money the most are paying for it as a percentage. They're paying doubly for it. The, the, the most for it. So, so, so now that that, now that this is, this is a new black swan event, in my opinion, this inflationary situation, do we follow the big money? Do we go with what they're doing or do we stick to our guns? Do we follow the investments that we care about and and that we had faith in, uh, you know, prior to, or during the pandemic and hope that they continue to grow or at least plateau as opposed to fall? I, I think so. I think you stay the true, tried and true course. I, I'm pretty sure you're you do you'd be the same way, Chris. That's what I've been hear. doing. I've been holding. Chris has been, but have you been like? I've been I've, I've been DCAing actually. I've been dollar cost averaging on those. Where are you getting the Where are you getting the the funds to do that though? Have you had a big cash position to pull from, or what's your strategy for for? For doing that, so for, my holding strategy, like, what do I hold versus liquid? Well, 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 yeah, yeah. What, what's cash. your like? What's your liquid liquidity strategy, and how are you applying that strategy going forward in Q one, twenty twenty two? 
So I've always got about 20% in, in complete liquid asset, right? So cash, let's call it cash. Were you going into that though, after the 30% drop we had in November or what, did you already like dig into that by then? No, I, I still have that available to me prior to November. Okay. Um, so I also, so here's the thing. I look at my S&P 500 Wealthfront account, right? Again, not sponsored by Wealthfront, but please give us money. Um, and that to me is cash in, in some capacity as well, because I know that that's a, like, if you're looking at the numbers, right? 1.8% drop over the last month compared to my Yeah, other that's investment. fair. That's very fair. Actually. I'm very okay with that. That to me is mm-hmm. still cash. I can pull that money out whenever yep, I please. Absolutely. It feels to me as though it's almost a liquid asset, even though it's illiquid in, in some capacity. So How, I, how's my early November? Move? So I've got 40%. <laughs> I've got 40% of my money there. So consider that it, to me, that's almost 60% liquid. And then I've got 40% of the, I've got the remaining 40% spread out across individual investments and stocks that I care about and cryptocurrency. And so that's kind of my blend that I go with. So where I'm pulling money from right now to DCA on these other assets that have been falling is that 20% reserve of cash and a little bit out of the S&P 500, which uh, let me tell you right now may not be the best move, but I do have a feeling uh, and I've been doing my research and, and doing my own due diligence on the stocks I've invested in to feel comfortable enough to dollar cost average and buy what's considered the dip. Would you ever draw 100% down your liquidity at any point? Or do you always do you have like a, do you have like a minimum no matter what that you want to keep in there? You mentioned it before, right? Uh, we have our own individual Black Swan events. And, and one of those for me, uh, I've experienced it twice, oddly enough, is purchasing a home, which is one of my largest investments ever. And then almost immediately losing a job. So I've always got to be ready for a, a serious deflation in my income uh, and to be able to continue to maintain my lifestyle and, and, and uh, support my assets. Gotcha. Gotcha. So have you, um, how much do you think of your available liquidity? Have you drawn on so far? And maybe like folks can think about that and think about, you know, how much further lower should we be prepared to go? I'm, I'm going to set my threshold if I were to consider, if I were to think about it that way at 10% liquidity in terms of the cash, the 20% cash that I talked about. So what that means is I'm willing to go 10% deeper into my own pocket to buy the dips here that I'm seeing on investments that I feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. but no more than that. Okay. No. Well, that, that, that makes, I think there's, so what about you, Drew? Do you, do, have you been sticking, have you been sticking to your guns? Have you been continuing, continuing the course with the stocks that you like, or have you been trying to pivot? I, um, I first in November was, was drawing out of my, I had like an international equity, uh, growth, uh, mutual fund that I pulled everything out of, uh, I pulled out of cash, mm-hmm. my cash pile, uh, my, my cash and my investing cash pile, just, just a bit. And then I, um, then I drew down on my, uh, short-term inflation protected bond funds a bit. But give yeah, me the cliff notes. Are, are you putting, are you continuing exactly where, what you were doing before November or are you changing your, your thought process right now? Just cliff notes on that one. Like, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping the, keeping the faith, staying the course. Got to do it. I like that. I like that because that the reason I like that so much is because you are truly 
passionate about the things that you've already put your money into to the tune that you feel that they are being punished now as of an overall market movement, but you feel comfortable that they will survive and progress as time goes on once we get through this period. Yeah. I mean, they all, they all have thick balance sheets, right? I mean, that's the th- key thing you should look at right now is how, how long's your runway, you know, Th- this is the time it- to be doing your research. <laughs> if, if, if you're going to continue to go, go into this market right now, you, you got to do what Drew's doing, which is do your research. This is not the time to be throwing money at everything. Yeah. You got to do the Drew. Do wait, what? Instead of, instead you know of, uh... we're going to stop right there on that one. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to move on from that one as quickly as possible because I don't want anyone doing this Drew. This mount, this podcast is brought to you by Mountain Drew. Mountain Drew. <laughs> All right. So, you know, I'm going to shorten this section a little bit, but we're going to talk about a little conundrum in the market this week. Something that always makes me laugh. Actually, I, I have a topic. That oh, I need to really? Share ah, with you. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, good. I, I had one queued up, but your excitement now. <laughs> I want to hear it. Okay. Oh, I'm going to sh- share my screen so only Chris can see this. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this? Now before? I'm excited. Do you know what this is? I thought I had something pretty good, so you must have something great. Do you know what this is? I can't see your screen at the moment. Can I? Oh, wait, wait, hold on. I can't. I'm sharing my screen right now. Where is your screen? Go Go to Zoom. I can't see it. What is it? What can you see then? I'm going to stop my presentation. I'm going to stop sharing here. And now, here we go. I got it. Yep. Okay. I can see clouds. Can you see this? Yeah. What is this? So this is uh, Millennia Trump's first NFT. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is what we call an NFT? This is an NFT. This is a wallpaper on like a baby's room. It's called... called, it's called Millennia Passion, I think. So Melania Mel- Trump. Mel- is- Melania's Passion. So she's selling this, this very. Yeah, she's selling them each for one Solana. So this is one Solana right now. Okay. Uh, each of these artworks is one Solana. I think, forgot what it was trading at, but <laughs> but this is the new enterprise coming out of the Trump organization. Have you watched the new South Park? At the post-pandemic yeah. special? I the, have, the, yeah. the latest one from this week? <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. There's a new one. Another new one. There's another new one. I uh, encourage you to watch it. I'm not going to spoil it. Um, it's it has it, it does weigh heavy, very heavily on NFTs. And we could talk about that one next week. as The funny, <laughs> the funny moment in the market. And I think okay. this will be an enjoyable topic. But to keep on with what I was saying earlier, this is a good one, by the way. And I think we can cover this a little bit more um, next week, too. So here's another topic that I think is absolutely hilarious while we have a literally two minutes to talk about it. YouTube TV, YouTube TV has just loves, loves to pick fights with every streaming platform, loves it. And what I mean by that is, so they are currently at war with Disney before this for months, they were at war with Roku where Roku even went as far to take the YouTube TV app off of their app marketplace where there were Roku users couldn't access YouTube TV. That's the, one of the primary places given oh the God. saturation by Is that Roku. legal. Uh, yeah. They couldn't come to an agreement. Uh, basically YouTube TV was asking for a lot. 
Uh, Google is, is the owner of YouTube TV here. So now they've resolved this after quite literally, I think it was eight months. They finally resolved this. Uh, Roku basically gave in and allowed YouTube TV back on their platform, which boosted Roku's stock quite a bit. Didn't really move the needle for Google. Here's where it gets here's where it gets even more interesting. So this week during a Lakers and Timberwolves game, Disney and Google have yet to come to an agreement on how they want to interact with each other on YouTube TV and maintain the channels that they provide to Google for display. Midway through the game, midway through it, not even after it, not even end of day, the channel stops working. Oh my goodness. And all of a sudden, all the channels get removed. And this is just another conundrum that YouTube TV puts itself into where either their users can't access the the platform entirely via the Ah. Roku marketplace, and now they can't access content that they want from another vendor. They're going to fight everybody here. And and initially with Roku, Google didn't really lose very much in terms of market share and, and, and value because Google's got a lot more going on. But I think this is going to hurt YouTube TV because A, their rates continue to increase and B, they're losing their vendors and their partners at an alarming rate because they're asking for the world and trying. And, and, and the other thing to keep in mind is Disney Plus is another streaming platform that people go to for content. It competes directly with Google, with YouTube TV and Google. So these guys need to work this all out. But Google is at the forefront of just creating conflict in a way that I think inevitably wow. is going to hurt them. Wow. That, so, to literally have the channel shut off from. is unbelievable. That's I couldn't even calculate how much that'd be. Um, if this wasn't Google, we would be talking about a serious decline in, in, in value. Right. Is it back on? No, they haven't worked that out yet. Oh. <laughs> so quite literally, hey. that was how that ended. There was actually a follow-up story to the story we had last week. I'm sorry. This is this is oh Peloton. Yeah, we ha- we have we have to. Talk I know you told me about this. Again. I want you to share this. I we love have this. To talk about these guys it. are the best <laughs> at making fun. <laughs> this is so funny. Uh, actually, it's it's it's, it, it's it's actually serious and not some of it. The situation is is funny, but the actual to allegations re- are very not funny. To recap, but. last week, by the way, Peloton provided their branding to Sex in the City. Uh, the individual on Sex in the City got on a Peloton bike. There was an actual trainer that Mr. Does, Big, Mr. Big, who does one of the trainers, Jess King, who does the classes for Peloton. You can get on a bike and take one of her classes right now if you'd like. She was also used in the show. He gets on a Peloton, cardiac arrest, dead after a 45 minute ride. Peloton did not know anything about this, and mm-hmm. we're blindsided. Stock, stock goes down seven percent. Stock plummets. Right. So another PR nightmare for them, mm-hmm. one of many. And then there's a continuation here. Yeah. And so after that happened, Peloton fe- faced a lot of backlash. So what they ended up doing is they recruited the actor at Sex in the City, Chris Knopf. Uh, Mr. Big. Who, who played the actor, Mr. Big. Yeah, they've been working all week, by the way, to fight this. They've been working all week to correct the image here. Yeah, uh, so they putting out so, press releases, getting this guy involved now. Yeah, they got him involved. He was in a commercial. It was on their website. It ran the entire week. Uh, their stock price actually went up 7% after yeah, that. So they corrected it. So they corrected it. This week, I kid you not, Chris Knopf is accused of sexual uh, harassment. Misconduct. Sexual mis- misconduct. Immediately thereafter, Pelton has to 
take off all the new commercials off all of their these channels. guys are just so good at this like Which, what if you want to figure out how to ruin your company's branding and image call the pr folks at peloton they will tell you exactly just follow their playbook do exactly what they do you won't have a company in two years but but now i'm thinking wait is there a silver lining to this is, is the there? fact that they killed this guy now a good thing on their can, show? Can they play are they that? heroes? <laughs> are they heroes now? Are these well, these are only allegations right now. If he gets convicted, <laughs> I guess we could play that fact. The stock is gonna is gonna is gonna skyrocket after their 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 machines killed. And here's the thing that beats me up about Peloton: <laughs> these guys should be the clear cut winners of the pandemic. This is at home fitness. Be. They should be winning every every aspect of their valuation. Because of Omicron now, Delta before. Can we pull up? Can we pull up their stock right now? These guys are blundering a situation which is it's been handed. They've been handed value on a silver platter, and they're throwing it out the window. Okay, they're up six percent. They were up six percent, but how are they looking the after hours? Year. Oh God, uh, there's zero percent after hours. Right so no now. movement. So right now, by the way, they are screwed. They're within, I think, 10%, 10, 12% of where they were in November 2019. To me, that's a failure. That is an absolute <laughs> failure. And I'll tell you why. This, they should have been clear. They should have been on a Zoom level with being clear cut winners of this pandemic. 35. Okay. So, so on December 15th, which I believe was that terrible day on Thursday. We got Peloton got down to thirty six seventy four. Peloton which, over the last year is down seventy percent, dude. They were thirty. They were thirty five range in November of twenty nineteen, and they were they touched thirty six. But from January, yeah. but from, from but from December of last wow. year, same time to now, they're down seventy percent. That Ugh. that that's mind blowing. That means they are not good enough to retain the value that they should have net with this pandemic they should have been at their same pace of growth plus whatever they gained during the pandemic i don't get it i don't know we've gone a little bit over in terms of the time on the on the funny story but that was definitely worth discussing you know on the outro so here's what we're looking at for the next week it's going to be a slow week in the market holiday coming up show show day it's going to be yeah it's going to be kind of a I don't think we're going to see a ton of movement on a personal level, but I, I do think that we will see, um, you know, not, not a ton of movement. <laughs> I think the movement's week. already happening. Right? <laughs> right? So if we're moving in any direction, it better be up. Um, on that note, though, what does the economic calendar say? That's um, what we should be looking at. That's while you look at that, at. I'm going to let everybody know that we are going to be here actually for a uh, kind of a, a short term week on Friday, the 23rd. Uh, we'll be doing a midday show at that point, and then we'll be doing a follow-up on that. We'll be back to our regular scheduling on January 1st. So be, stay tuned for that. We're going to continue to maintain some sort of conversation and coverage of the market, you know, through the next week, uh, right up to the holiday. All right. And I'm excited to do that because. So what do you got on the earnings calendar before? We as, as, as we're, this is going to be the first live market broadcast. Yeah, we're going to be doing it midday. So the market will be active. Drew, before we go, this this week, thumbs up or thumbs down? What are we looking at? I think thumbs up. Woo! Oh, think- all right. I think there's nowhere to go but up. So thumbs up from me. I think two we're going to see a little pump up, two to five percent, maybe. That's it. Um, 
five percent on the high end. I don't think we'll get that far, but let's let's. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd be nice. Uh, I don't S&P, think it's happening. Where are we? Where are we in the S and P? I don't know. Give, give, give me. I can't see through the tears. I've been crying all week. SMP. I think we're going to break 4,700. Let's see it at the end of the week. I think we'll, we'll make it. All right, it. folks, write it down. We got write the economic it. calendar here real quick. I'm going to rattle off the big ones. He decided to give us a concrete number. We're going to hold his feet to the fire on that one. And should it not reach that point, I will make him eat his own shoes. I will eat my shoes on the live version of this podcast. That will be our, video, first, our video first video one. podcast, by the way, will be him eating his shoes. If I'm wrong which is probably going to happen. So yeah, it seems to be the trend as well. We've both been wrong though, to be completely fair to, to you on that. Um, the last two weeks, neither one of us has really called it right. A lot of stuff coming out on Thursday, the 23rd. So I think it's going to be really exciting, <laughs> a really exciting day to, to be broadcasting. And, and in the meantime, you know, have a wonderful holiday, everybody. We will talk to you before then, but you know, the most important thing besides everything that we just talked about is staying healthy, staying safe, spending time with your family and enjoying these holidays as best you can, given everything we're going through. Make sure to put all your money on biotech and help, help my portfolio out a little bit. Thank you. I'll, I'll edit this out. (laughs) Have a great week, everybody. All right. Bye.